From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, December 16th. What does it take to replace a pedestrian bridge in Moab City? Well, after a meeting this week, it sounds like hundreds of thousands of dollars. The bridge in question is the Pack Creek footbridge behind the Episcopal Church. It serves as a shortcut from King Creek Boulevard to Main Street. The bridge is used by local bicyclists and pedestrians as a way to get from the west side of town to the east and back again. Moab City Mayor Emily Niehaus. It sounds to me like the council is in favor of putting money to making sure that we've got this type of transportation in place especially for this community because they are separated from so much of our city by 191 and safe passage, you know, to get on the other side of 191 is really important. The bridge was a topic of conversation for the mayor and city council this week because it's been closed for months now. Shortly after the flooding in Pack Creek this summer, city staff announced that the bridge was no longer structurally sound and they condemned it. But what followed was an outcry from community members who rely on this passage. It's very clear to me how um, heavily people in the community depend on this bridge. So I think it's incumbent on us to um, make sure that they have access to that bridge. Councilmember Ronnie DeRossery, the decades-old bridge may not be so simple to repair or bring into modern standards. City staff say minor repairs wouldn't last very long or be worth the time or money. Engineer Chuck Williams says it's been in bad shape for years and worse now after the summer flood, which makes him concerned for a variety of users. I've spent hours at that bridge and there are people who cross in wheelchairs who are very unsteady. There are people who cross on canes and crutches. I'm just saying that for all the users, we have to consider them. And for those type of users, that that bridge does not satisfy any ADA compliance whatsoever. And that's why we've been pursuing trying to get this bridge for the last replaced for the last three years and every budget year we bring it up and there just hasn't been money. Despite the bridge being closed, people are still finding a way to use it. Durasserie says she'd like to find an interim solution until the city can replace the bridge entirely. You know, not everybody has the privilege of using a car or um, some other way to get to city market or other things. And I do feel like it's our responsibility to find a way to make that bridge. Okay, maybe it's not ideal and it doesn't meet standard, but um, that it is usable to them in the interim till we replace it. There was no discussion during the city council meeting this week about how to make the bridge more usable in the interim. However, the city did allocate $300,000 toward replacing the bridge entirely. Moab City will also be applying for an outdoor recreation grant. If they are successful, that grant money will help fund the bridge replacement. Mayor Niehaus. I think what I'm hearing is that we have the reassurance that we can start moving forward now. Moab City staff will be working on pre-development planning, and the council aims to have the Pack Creek footbridge replaced sometime next year. The state of Colorado reached a million-dollar settlement on Monday over a 2015 mine spill near Silverton. Rocky Mountain Community Radio's Lucas Brady-Woods has more. The $1.6 million settlement with Sunnyside Gold Corporation finds the company responsible for the damage caused by wastewater that spilled from the Gold King mine back in 2015. 
During the spill, acidic wastewater from the mine damaged natural resources in the surrounding Bonita Peak Mining District Superfund site, which sits just north of Silverton. It also spilled into the Animas River and turned the river water orange. From there, the mine waste made its way into the San Juan River, which travels through New Mexico, the Navajo Nation, and eventually merges with the Colorado River. According to Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser's office, this week's settlement finds that Sunnyside Gold Corporation's decision to plug a different mine resulted in the spill. Blocking that mine caused contaminated waste to build up inside the nearby Gold King mine and eventually spill out. The Attorney General's office says the settlement money will be used to restore the surrounding damage, as well as damage caused by other releases of hazardous materials. The agreement was approved by the Colorado Natural Resources Trustees, which includes the head of the state's Department of Natural Resources, the head of the Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Attorney General. Now the settlement agreement will go through a 30-day public comment period before the courts decide whether to approve it. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in southwest Colorado. To learn more about participating in the public comment period, you can visit the Colorado Attorney General's website at coag.gov. Federal law enforcement arrested a Telluride man over the weekend for his alleged involvement in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Julia Caulfield with our partners at KOTO has more. San Miguel County Sheriff's officers arrested Avery McCracken in Norwood on Saturday, December 11th, with a federal warrant from the FBI for his alleged involvement in the January attack on the Capitol. McCracken is 68 years old and has lived in the Telluride region for a number of years. According to court documents, on January 6th, McCracken approached a police line that was attempting to protect the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Documents say he assaulted a Metropolitan Police Department officer with pushes, shoves, and a punch to the face that left a cut under the officer's eye. The court documents say McCracken also assaulted a second police officer with pushes, shoves, and grabs. McCracken is indicted on multiple charges, including assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers using a dangerous weapon or inflicting bodily injury, civil disorder, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, engaging in physical violence in a restricted building or grounds, and act of physical violence on Capitol grounds or buildings. San Miguel County Sheriff Bill Masters says in January, the sheriff's office received an anonymous tip indicating McCracken was in Washington, D.C. for the January riot. We informed the FBI of that uh, information at that time. Um, We didn't receive anything else for uh, quite some time. uh, uh, We did receive some uh, information a little bit later. Uh, from another source. That source identified McCracken in a photo of rioters at the Capitol. Upon us reviewing the the picture, we realized that it was, in fact, Mr. McCracken that, that uh, appeared to be at the Capitol and informed the FBI um, of that information that, that we'd received. They, in turn, went and uh, started a full investigation. The FBI issued a warrant for arrest and asked the sheriff's office to apprehend McCracken. When it comes to McCracken's involvement with the attack on the Capitol, Master says he isn't particularly surprised. Knowing this individual for uh, 40 years, um, he'd been in and out of our jail on numerous occasions. We've charged him with multiple crimes, as have other federal agencies in the past. So it it wasn't uh, terribly shocking. 
and he's grateful to federal investigators for continuing their investigation into the January 6th attack. I'm really uh, uh, glad that the uh, FBI agents are, are taking uh, this incident seriously and, and are investigating it very thoroughly. And uh, we're, we're certainly there to stand and help uh, with our uh, partners in uh, peacekeeping uh, on the federal level. McCracken appeared in federal court in Grand Junction on Tuesday. He is being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office and the Department of Justice National Security Division's Counterterrorism Section. That report is from our partners at KOTO in Telluride, Colorado. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, December 16th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.